You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's hockey show. Yeah, yeah. There's a uh, there's a chemistry, and it it uh, it happened, you know, right from right from the first game that they played together. And obviously, there's a special chemistry between Zuccarello and uh, and and uh, Kirill. Um, you know, they they seem to find each other. They seem to look for each other. But um, uh, you know, Rasky's been a big part of that as well. <laughs> Nothing Rasky. like a little Rasky, Victor Rasky. Welcome in. Uh, that, of course, was Wild Coach Dean Evason. This is a one-timer edition of Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and Declan Goff, as always. And um, the Wild, on Tuesday night, will play the Arizona Coyotes for a third time and will go for not just a sweep of those three games at home, but a sweep of their five-game homestand last week, beating the Vegas Golden Knights back-to-back and then beating the Coyotes, shutting them out. Um, Cam Talbot did on Friday, and then Cam Talbot actually came back and started Sunday, and the Wild wins that game 4-1. to one. Uh, Dex, lots of places to start here, lots of good stuff, including the fact that um, entering tonight's action on Monday, as we record this, the Wild is only two points out of first place behind the Golden Knights in the West Division. A lot of impressiveness here from the team, but let's just start with the obvious, which is, as Dino, our guy Dino just talked about, the um, the center, whoever plays center, because I don't think it's the center here. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not the uh, he's not the key here. But whoever plays center on that Zuccarello and Kaprizov line, if they find out that they are um, going to be between those two, they probably should stop and say a short prayer of thanks, because that line and the work that continues to happen and the chemistry between uh, Zuccarello and Kaprizov is absolutely phenomenal. It is so much fun to watch. It is at such a level that is so much higher than we've often seen here in this town from that team. That as a starting point for this conversation, if you're a Wild fan, man, is this a refreshing, just the whole thing, but that line, so refreshing to watch. Judd, I'll start off this as I always do. I uh, watched the Arizona Coyotes broadcast yesterday afternoon. First, I'm uh, consuming the Coyotes broadcast. I, I've now, I believe, I've seen all, all of but Colorado's. No, broadcast. Not seen St. Louis. They've not, not played. The, they've not played the Blues yet because of the stoppage. I've seen the Kings. I've seen the Ducks. I've seen the Knights. Uh, I've now seen the Yotes. I don't believe I've seen the Avs or the obviously the Blues uh, uh, mm-hmm. opposing broadcast. Okay. They had a brilliant line about Victor Rask yesterday, and it was Victor Rask is doing everything he can to fit in. <laughs> 
And that was basically their way of saying, we know who Victor Rask is. We know his limitations. But you know what? He's getting in front of the net. He's being put in positions because he has Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello, who are just unbelievable. I mean, you, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's insane. Just it, you gave Matt's a legitimate player. Now he's looking exactly like the player he was in New York for all those years. Um, you put Rask in situations to be successful, and all of a sudden Victor Rask is passable. Like, if anything, I think this is setting up to build up Rask's value, not to trade him right now, but the hope to God fingers cross Seattle crack and looks at it and takes a bullet and says, yo, yeah, Victor Rask, a center. He scored double-digit goals by the end of the year, and we can take him on for one more year of $4 million. I think that's the Wilds' goal here. They're upselling Victor Rask. That that should be the obvious Well, and goal. they have to play somebody with th- those two. I mean, it's been Bukestead at different times. It's been Rask. But the key here is when you have two guys who are playing, especially Kaprizov, at the elite level that they play, dare I say, Dex, if you could skate, we could put you there and you wouldn't look at, <laughs> like Victor skate. Rask. Victor Rask should wake up in the morning right now and get on his <laughs> knees and say a prayer, yeah. a, a prayer of thanks. Uh, but this team overall and these past four games especially, to me, have been flat out impressive. Now, the Coyotes play what I consider to be a boring style. They are certainly not a great team. But what is the Wild doing? And, Dex, this is the case against the Kings. It's the case against the Sharks. It's the case against the Ducks. It's the case against the Coyotes. They are taking care of teams and getting the points for the most part that they absolutely should, right? Yes. And that is something that the, that the Wild previously, I thought, really struggled to do. Two years ago, or last year, I think, especially in the first part of the 2019-20 season, okay? If they had played the Coyotes back-to-back in home games, they do not win both. They win one, they win one, and then they lose another in, like, overtime on a fluky goal, right? Like something goes wrong, but they're not engaged. The Wild came out yesterday, and it, it was a Sunday afternoon start, and it was the typical, they didn't look really prepared, and these are the type of games that used to get away from them and they'd suffer a really weird 3-1 loss or 3-2 yeah. loss, right? Right, right, right. They came out and didn't look great, got their act together again, just like on Friday, third period, and took care of business, which they should do. But after the hockey that we've seen now, I applaud them. I applaud them because I was so – what I was tired of previously was the wild teams that didn't do, do that. And then they would give you the post-game locker room lip service, right? Right. Well, we got to compete better. We got to do more. We know what we have to do. And they'd be like, okay, if you know, then show it. <laughs> and they didn't show it. This team shows it. And this team gets done what it needs to get done. But I give them full credit and full points for beating up on the very teams that they should because I've seen them not do that. And that might be the most maddening thing about a lot of those wild teams from the past. It also, on Friday's game, the first one against the Coyotes, and it's scoreless through two periods. It's been mostly kind of a snooze fest of a Friday night game, right? And Arizona, instead of going with one of their nice nice goaltenders and probably like, you know, Darcy Kemper, who I believe is, is he banged up right now? He's hurt. Darcy He's hurt Kemper's again. hurt right now. Hurt Rant has been there, other guy. They start this guy named Aaron Hill. You know, Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill, a guy, Aiden Hill. A, a guy who had like, said three starts all year. Yep. How many times have the Wild played some random backup goaltender <laughs> you have never heard of? He stands on his head. The Wild put out 40 shots, and for whatever reason, they lose 3-1, to one and, and they control the entire game, but they lose to some random backup goaltender. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, obviously, we're obviously a little bit bearing the lead on this one, but 
Kirill Kaprizov takes over the entire game. We talked about it on Saturday in the one time or two. But then things, obviously, the floodgates open and everything opens from there. But how many times, to your point, have the Wild been in that exact same predicament where they're playing a, a random dude who was probably a college hockey kid that no one's ever heard of, and he looks like Jim Craig for 60 minutes. And for once, the Wild actually were able to beat up on a backup goal. Yeah, it, it means a lot. And, and the top line of, of Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello just basically creating so much great chemistry together. I'll, I'll give, again, Benton credit. I don't like the no-movement clause. I don't, like, I don't love the contract, but uh, right. put, put, push that aside just for a bit. You have Matt Zuccarello. Uh, it, it's, it's right now it's must-see TV when they're on the ice together. Oh, it's abso- insane. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the Wild has never had a combination, in my opinion, close to this. No. Because I don't think Gabrick ever had the other guy. I'm not selling Gabrick maybe, maybe Dimitra. Dimitra. That's what I was going to say. But I don't think Dimitra was. I don't think Dimitra did this. And I still will contend that Gabrick, Gabrick could not create. He was a great scorer. But he could not create what Kaprizov can. He could. I mean, Kaprizov does, again yesterday. The guy works his butt off. He's in the corners making plays. He's strong as an ox. Yeah. Like, he's knocking guys off the puck. I loved it. Just a small thing. Yesterday, so Kaprizov, um, Ranta made a save and covered the puck. And Kaprizov basically pursued the puck, right? Because that's the smart thing. And I think it was OLE got in his way and pushed him back. Like, hey, get away. And Kaprizov did not just retreat. He did not just give up. He basically said, okay, and he pushed right back. And that's important. That's important because this kid is strong enough to stand up for himself, which is a huge thing, especially come playoff time. He doesn't have to fight. No, 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 no. But the guys that retreat, it's like, okay, are you going? Because then then that indicates to me from opponents that those guys can potentially be pushed around. Yes. Kaprizov's done nothing so far that leads me to believe that he will put up with being pushed around at all. Yeah, there was a point, too, in the game after a scrum in front of the net. I don't know if it was with Keller, because I know Fiala put the hit on Keller, which I want to touch on here in just a bit, but there was some scrap in front of the net, and someone tried to get in Kaprizov's face, and he even threw a stick right back at him. Like, Kirill's not in a pushover by any means. And and Mm -hmm. actually, what I love, what was even more hilarious to me was the fact Little Matt Zuccarello got in the middle to protect Capri. It's like, okay, Matt's like you're all five foot nine of you. I know you got the big twig. And Capri's can take care of himself. But at the same time, the yep. teammates sticking up for their star player, that's humongous. Um, my point about though Fiala hitting uh I believe it was Clayton, it was Clayton Keller, Keller, just an absolute rocket of a hit, right? Second period, yeah. And their broadcast team went in they, they didn't really call out Fiala, but was, they they made the point that I hope someone goes and now sends a message that you can't hit our star player. I hope someone then goes out and says to Fiala, that's not okay. And it, it's kinda it's kind of also nice to hear that too. Like he, he was trying to say the point he was he, his point was making was kind of like you and I. Like there is a point of fighting in hockey. There is a time and place for it. It it there there is not a spot. You shouldn't be dropping the gloves off the circle like we'd criticize Felino to do at the beginning of the season. But there are you know those certain rules that do apply. And when Fiala, who by the way like isn't really known for throwing his weight around by any means. I mean he plays the chip on his shoulder and he plays pissed off. But he's not known to you know he's not going to be Felino out there throwing two hundred hits in a season. For him to go out and lay a big one on Clayton Keller, I oh, mean, and he leveled him. I, I mean, he leveled him. Yeah, it was an impressive. And it was, and it was a big play in the game. It was a turning point. So I, I think there is something there that that these young kids in Fiala and Kaprizov, yeah, there might be stars, but they also they're not going to take crap for anyone. Yeah, on on your guy Fiala, I thought this was an interesting part of the storyline as well. So, and we'll touch on this in a second. So, in the second half of the third period on Friday, Fiala and Parisi 
did not play much at all. In fact, I think Zach sat for the final, I think he sat for the final 11 minutes of the game, which I want to get to in a second. But on Fiala, Dean obviously wasn't happy with how he was playing on Friday. Yeah. And and I think Dean, or I think Kevin has done a very good job for the most part throughout the course of this season of being engaged like he has. He's been engaged. He's hit guys. I feel like he has executed his assignments pretty well. But clearly there was something on Friday that Everson did not like about Fiala's approach, and he made him pay for it in the third period. I think it worked because Fiala scored a goal on Sunday, but he also came back to your point and had that big hit on Clayton Keller and played a good, intense, aggressive, engaged game. And if that's going to work, that's fine. Like You don't need to scratch, guys. But if you feel that they're not playing up to what they can achieve and you sit them for a period of time to send a message that's going to work, go for it. That's great. Because Kevin came back, I really thought, and played a nice game. And they also juggled their lines on Sunday decks. So we, we had, and we talked about this on the one-timer on Saturday. We don't love this. But they had um, Fiala on the right wing with Hartman at center. And the other guy that I thought had a definite spark the left wing on that line on Sunday, Jordan Greenway played a great game. When Greenway is completely engaged, I don't care if he has a point or not. That's not the point. When Jordan Greenway is into the game and is playing physical, man, is he fun to watch. Yes. And he, I, I felt like two-thirds of that line on Sunday was really in into the game. Hartman is going to be regardless because that's his role, but... I take back a little bit of what I said on Saturday because that line definitely had a spark. And Hartman is not an outstanding player, but no. he works hard. And it felt like the guys to his right and left sort of followed along with what he was doing. Yeah, guys like Greenway and Ecker just quiet. I mean, we were talking about Kaprizov and Fiala, and rightfully so. The goaltending has been phenomenal. But I, I feel like we we definitely forget about Joel Eriksson, Eck, and Jordan Greenway. Saw a stat today from Wild PR that said Joel Eriksson, Eck ranks tied for second in even strength goals and is six and plus minus this year. I mean, the plus minus that I don't really care about. But the, but the even strength goal, Joel Erickson Eck is second in even strength goals. Like, what? What? Where did that come from? Um, and he works his butt off. It's great to see. There, there is the, there is diet Koivu to his game in terms of his defensive prowess and what he brings there. I do think Miko at his peak was more naturally gifted than Joel Erickson Eck. Agreed completely. You know, like it, when Miko was right. at his peak and wanted to take over a game, yeah. you could see that. I don't think Joel Erickson Eck is there. Or will he ever get there? Probably not. Agreed. His work ethic is what's going to what drives his possession and him being a defensive guy. But it it is phenomenal to see so many young guys, especially like Greenway too, who clearly someone and we talked about it. Someone sat him down and said, "Who do you want to be?" And I'm, I'm guessing it was Garen and Evison that said, "Who do you want to be?" You know, do you want well, Bill Garen? Definitely did. You know, he threatened him. You were. He said we could trade you too. Yeah, you, no question. Yeah, he, you, you were a prominent college hockey player. You were on the World Juniors team. You've been at every stage here that you can get to as a young 22 year old. And now it's the next step, kid. I mean, you've played now 100 plus games in the NHL. Who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And he's been quietly probably their most productive player. That's also been a very big bright spot for the team. And what's helped him in my opinion, a ton is not just that conversation that you alluded to. And I think you're right. What's helped him a ton is look at who they eliminated around him. They basically took his friends and traded them. And I think that was a great wake up call because you know what? If you want to be Charlie Coyle, that's cool. He's in Boston now, right? Right. Uh, Granlin's gone, right? Cunning, who I still don't know what to make of, but he's gone. He's and not, I, and I think pl- that they were playing well and he's hurt. 
Yep. But I think that those two, I think Luke Cunning and Greenway were very tight, and now yep. he's just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I also, I, I will pound the drum on this because they're not outstanding players, but this is why we harped on this for so long, Dex. I will pound the drum on Nick Benino and Ian Cole. They are such culture changers. They are such, and, and Benino scored on Sunday, but above and beyond his goals, because he's not a great player. He and Cole, that Cole trade, I actually think the Ian Cole trade is the best trade that Garen made in the slew of in the slew of trades. So the Pittsburgh trade might turn out to be the best eventually. Um, the the Zucker the Zucker trade, yeah, that might turn out to be the best. But that small, I mean, they took away a defenseman who I think was a nice veteran, but was not really going to play that much. Or if he was, he was just sort of buried there. And they went and got a third defensive pairing guy in Cole, who is constantly instructing Susie, like he is on the ice telling him what to do. Yeah, like these are the things that this team has not had anyone ever do, mm-hmm. or at least I can't recall. Perhaps back to like West Walls, right? But I'm talking about in the last five to ten years. You name me the last time a defensive partner is basically instructing a kid who, by the way, he knows has more natural talent and speed right now, but like he sees it all clearly. That's Ian Cole. It is an incredible thing. Yeah, he, that was a good trade. Look, yeah, everyone, 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 everyone said, what the hell are you swapping bottom pairing defensemen for? And like, what, what, what does this matter? It's like, here's the evidence. That's why it matters. And, and he was being buried. And Colorado's similar to Minnesota. They, they have deep blue liners. They have, they have, Cal McCarr might be one of the most exciting defensemen in hockey, right? So Ian Cole fitting in here with Susie and, and just the culture of the team, yes, it goes back to Bill Guerin and Evison's philosophy of we are going to change the old guard here. I don't know if this is an immediate problem, Declan Goff, but it's definitely worth a conversation, and I feel like it's not being written about or talked about enough right now, but it's going to bubble up at some point in time here. Okay. Zach Parisi. Yeah. So he is playing average ice time, uh, 15 minutes, 57 seconds per game, which if you go through his hockey reference uh, page, is his lowest ice time since 2005-06 when he played... 81 games as a rookie, he played um, 13.08 per game with the Devils, okay? Uh, since then, he has not been below, let's see here, it looks like he has not been below 17 minutes of ice time per game. He was essentially benched for the end of the third period, I believe, on Wednesday against the Golden Knights, uh, benched again for a lengthy time the end of the third period, end of the game, on Friday in the shutout win. He uh, he did play yesterday more and, and had a couple assists, including on the goal that they awarded to Erickson Eck because he was um, basically hooked down before he could put the puck in the empty net against the Coyotes. But long story short here, he is now playing left wing with Felino out, Dex, on the Erickson Eck line that has Bukestead on the right side. I don't know what you do here. I don't know what you can do here. But that being said, Zach Parisi right now, is basically a fourth-line guy. Like, in a perfect world, he's a fourth-line guy. And I'm not sure what the advanced uh, metrics say about his game, but just from the eye test, it looks like now he is always a step or two behind the play. He can't catch up. He still, just to be clear, because I do not want this to come across as bashing his work. Yes, he overstayed his, his welcome on the goal in Vegas and got benched for a game because of that. But the conversation about Zach has never been about work ethic. Yeah. He works his butt off. Like he is, he tries really hard and he is still trying 
really hard. But he looks like a guy who has finally lost that last step. And we're now quite a ways into a 56-game season. We're almost halfway through. And I don't know what's coming back, Declan. Yeah. This I is, don't know. This is a dangerous, not a dangerous, kind of, I don't want to say it's dangerous, but this is a slippery place to be. Um, considering a year ago when he was almost traded, it's about 18 months removed from the fact when he went to Michael Russo and said, yeah, you know, I, I want to win a cup, and I'm aware of where I'm at in my age and where the team is headed. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, the team has now trended in the right direction without him contributing. <laughs> which is kind of hilarious to think about. Uh, analytically, yeah, I mean, his his course, he is really just bottomed out. He is being outpossessed a ton. He's also not being used in the offensive zone like he used to be in his career. I mean, look, he was being used a ton in the offensive zone when he first got here, 62% of the time. Now it's right down the middle. I mean, he's using in the offensive and defensive zone nearly 50% splits. Um, he's not the player he looks like to be. I, 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 there is some, he's getting, his shooting percentage is criminally low. I'm trying to figure out ways I can save him here. I'm trying to figure out ways no, where I can I'm, save him. And I'm not trying to bash him here, too. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I, this is, I got you. I don't see a guy. I, I am not saying he doesn't care. He cares deeply. Yeah. I am not saying he is not trying to work hard. Does he, does he make mistakes sometimes at, at probably his perception of how good he remains? Absolutely. But when he's on the ice decks, there is nothing here saying that he doesn't want to win or that he's not going to try. He's doing all of those things. That's what scares me. Yeah. That, that's why I told you on the show about a month ago or so that I was pretty convinced that there was a hot streak. Like he, he was going to score some goals mm-hmm. um, and get some points. And he got two points on Sunday. But again, one was an empty net goal. And one was he shoveled the puck to Fiala, who made a great pass to Benino on a goal, which was way more the Fiala play than the Parisi play. But in watching him live at the X and watching his shifts exclusively, He's just a step or two behind guys, and this league is so fast now that it's not slowing down for you. It's not like, hey, I, so I don't know what they do here. He's going to continue to play. I get that. Um, but I guess right now my feeling is this. Zach Parise is eating up a valuable slot to the left side of Eck, on which ideally I think Greenway goes back. But when they put Zach with Hartman and Fiala, it hurts Fiala a lot. Yeah. Like you need to, I think we talked about this last week. You need to find a way to get Kevin Fiala a line that works for Kevin Fiala. Kaprizov is so damn good and is such a self-creator that I'm not saying his line mates aren't important because Zuccarello has helped him immensely. But at least he's got that guy now, right? Kevin Fiala is being put on a series of lines where it's sort of up to his own devices, and mm-hmm. he needs some help. And yeah. there, But if he gets that help, I think he's an elite player and an elite goal scorer. So you just love to see him get that, but I don't know what you do, and I don't know what this means for Zach. And right now, I mean, I can't see Zach playing out this contract anywhere. No. Like, I don't care where you trade him to. I don't care. He is, what, 37, I believe? And he's got four years left, is that right, on this contract? Yeah, he is uh, 36 years old. He's 37 in July. Okay, and he's got, I think, four years left, if not five. I believe that is correct. I don't see how you get him through near the end of this contract because the guy I see now, compared to who he was, is just about cooked. Yeah, he's got four years left on his deal. Um, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, 
but it's a real conversation. Yeah, there's going to be a point to and look. There's cap penalties for trading him, and and that that's a, another recap, conversation and recaps on, on yeah. its own regard. But at yeah. this point, I mean, but I'm I, just talking about his career. Yeah, like, I'm talking about getting him through. I don't. I don't think it's going to. I think this is. We have to write that down, obviously, on Wednesday. But I think this might be that might be it for Zach. Preeze. Are you this calling retirement? Be, I, I, not retirement, no. I think, but I think this is his last season as a member of the Wild. I think it probably is too. But I, I mean, unless there's something that I don't know about, like you can't. You I don't can, see him retiring. Like I know his games cook, but I don't. I don't see him. Just and you like might be right. Like I'm out. But when I watch him play, like who's going to be excited to get a guy who is lost that much? He reminds me of this. So if you recall coming out of the year that the that the league lost to the lockout, which was 04-05, the best part, the only really good part of that lost year was that was the year that they also decided accurately that the game sucked and was boring. Yeah. And the Shanahan rules were introduced. And I mean, there were a lot of great rules um, to call a lot of penalties, but make the game the game that we know now, which is really fast and exciting. Like go back and watch a 2003 game, and I'm sorry, it was as boring as possible. Yeah. And now it's great. And if you recall, so they started, they came back in 2005-6. And when they did, there were, I want to say, three or four veteran guys who played a few games and then said, okay, I'm done. Because the game was too fast. Yep. And like they're like, what about the clutching and grabbing? And the league's like, I'm sorry, that's gone, sir. And they said, well, if that's gone, I'm gone. Parisi, watching Parisi right now reminds me of that collection of guys sure. who were once elite talents. But if you can't keep up, you can't keep up. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between Victor Rask not keeping up, which you, I guess, just come to expect, yeah. and Zach Parisi, which to me is sort of sad to watch. It is sad to watch. Um, I think we all knew that eventually his game was going to break down just because he plays such a physical style and. And as much as it's admirable to talk about over the course of his career, and, and, we, and we can talk about a you know a Hall of Fame ballots, uh, a Hall of Fame player in Zach Parise, at the same time you knew eventually he was going to hit a wall. And Ryan Suter's game, I don't think, is going to have such a drastic drop off. I mean, you know, we, we we criticize Ryan Suter, who now I guess is like the number one comedian on the team. Um, we can criticize him for some uh, some off the ice and some other things here and there, nitpicky. But his game mostly has stayed the same, and, and I think it's evergreen. I think he can right over the length of this contract. It's it's going to be okay. Where, where Zach, it, it's now an albatross, and it's like, what do you do with him? And his body is probably in Zach's case, probably just cooked. I mean, he had two herniated discs in his back a couple. Well, and of look years at back. how he plays. Yeah, like he plays he plays the Kaprizov the Kaprizov game without the talent. Right. So like, and he had some talent. But, I mean, look at the amount of times that that guy has gone in the corner, right? Or in front of the net and got his ass kicked. Just gotten beaten up, right? Yeah. At some point in time, that catches up. Last thing uh, that I want to touch on, because I want to give you my appreciation for this hockey-wise, and it's going away, and I know it has to, but these divisions and this 56-game sprint is everything I expected and better. Everything. That, Exciting. That Golden Knights two-game series, especially game two on Wednesday at the X, was as close to a playoff atmosphere. And there were no fans. And there were no fans. That's the incredible thing. And we aren't even, at that point, halfway through, and that was like a playoff game. The shortened season and only exclusively playing division games has been absolutely a blast to watch across the board. Yeah, I I thought this 
this entire idea was a good, was a good one because it gives you more you get it gives you more of a good feel of of player of teams you can see in back to back situations. It has almost a little bit of a baseball feel. Um, I know they're going to go back to the normal divisions, you know, next season, and and I guess rightfully so. But I I wouldn't be opposed to changing up how the scheduling is instead of um playing a, a a California road trip where you're you're going against the Ducks and then the Kings and then the Sharks and then the Vancouver. Like, why don't you just have two or three in a row? It, it's fun. I think it builds up more of a rivalry too. It's, oh, it does. It, it, it totally does. So it I, does. I I think if anything, the NHL should use it as a as a situation that you can better yourself as a league from it. Guess what's up? Fighting majors. Yeah, I wonder why. Now, I I did hear a theory thrown out on Hockey Night in Canada in the in their uh, intermission report on Saturday. The theory was it Bieksa threw it out. He said he thinks that fighting majors are up across the board uh, because of the lack of fans. Is players trying to give teammates more emotion and create electricity that sure. doesn't exist because of a lack of fans? But I think what you said is dead on accurate. When I play a team a third time, I can't stand that team. I can't stand a team. Now, to be clear, I would rather not see the Coyotes a third time (laughs) because of their style. But you're right, and this has been fun. And hockey and basketball especially would benefit from like a 56-60 to game season. I know it's not going to happen because of the fact that it would take uh, games away and potential revenue away. I get all of that. But 56 games and the sprint that that causes, it's great. Yeah, I like it. All right, we're done here, Declan. You get the final word. Pass shoot score? That's the final word. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.